Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered coming your way right here and now. Good to have you on board. We will be live at noon Eastern time every day throughout the postseason. You can find us right here. Guests from around Major League Baseball setting up the series, all sorts of fun and much more. And if you have not already jumped on board the Unfiltered Revolution, please do so at Casey Sturt on Twitter. Get into the Twitter bio, jump onto the YouTube channel, or you could follow Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V at Believe Network, and get on their YouTube channel where we are live as well. Thank you, Unfiltered Band. It's good to have you on board. We've got a lot to do here on day one of this show as we get you ready for an elimination game. It's win or go home. Indians, no moss. Guardians, yes. Yankees could be no moss. In just a few hours. Last night, Garrett Cole did everything and more. Everything you would have expected based on what he's paid. Everything Yankee fans had hoped that they would get from him. Albeit with the home runs that he has surrendered during the season. And another one yesterday by Naylor as he was rocking babies. The Guardians were rocking themselves on a flight back to New York for a Game 5 weather permitting this evening. We will get more on that. Mark Feinstein will join us uh, later on in this show, MLB.com and MLB Network. Also, Jim Duquette going to be with me. we got Jeff Blum, who's been all over it with the Astros, also host uh, the Believe Network, Believe in Astros. He'll be here in just a few minutes. We'll cover what happened in that series as the Astros now prepare to face either the Guardians or the Yankees coming up here, depending upon who wins once the ALCS gets started and underway. We thought in the NLCS side that the Dodgers, right, the Braves, the Mets, the 100-plus win teams, it was that easy. Well, that would be a we if you did not follow us here at Unfiltered. Because if you did, you know that I predicted that the Dodgers would be knocked off in five games going back a month ago. I said if they played the Braves, they would lose. I said if they played the Mets, they would lose. Well, how did I know that they would be in such trouble? We're going to get into the layoff and find out why some of you have not been paying attention over the last number of years to the way baseball works, because here is how it works. Layoffs kill baseball teams in October. We are officially underway. This will be uh, when you get us an Apple Spotify and your podcast episode 104 As always represented by our good friends at bet online bet online. Of course, football is back. Bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. Get the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends as your continued source for all sports wagering info. BetOnline's got live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way. Bet all your favorite sports and events, MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing. They even have golf, where the Guardians or Yankees will join. They could use Bet Online. Head over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get your rewards. It's BetOnline, where the game starts as we get started. And let's begin with where we are now in this series between the Yanks and the Guardians, setting up for a Game 5. It'll be a bullpen game, Savali and Tyone to get going. See, clearly, the Guardians a major advantage in the bullpen. We'll get into that during the course of this show and we'll find out whether or not, you know, look, Aaron Boone, and I love Boone, he's a friend, a couple of days ago, seemingly not citing an emergency situation for Clay Holmes a couple of days ago. Would we still be in this spot? Who knows what might have happened in that ninth inning? They blow that lead. 
Oscar Gonzalez, again, another walk-off hit. What a performance these rookies have had for the Guardians under Tito, one of the greatest managers and a Hall of Fame manager, so we shouldn't be surprised at this point. But we'll find out what we get from them tonight. How did we get here? Well, Garrett Cole pitched the way he's supposed to pitch. And, you know, here's the thing. And you could chat along the way with us, by the way, on Twitter, into the chat. You just open it up. Once it pops in, you could dump in there. Also, you can get on the Believe channel if you're watching on YouTube, as well as live if you're on my YouTube channel. Of course, Apple, Spotify, if you're there on the podcast belated, you can get to me and tweet me. Happy to hit you up in replies as the night go on as we go through the postseason. But for Garrett Cole yesterday, you got what you paid for. And look, pitching in the postseason is not easy, people. You even think about some of the performances that we've seen from some great pitchers that have not been nearly great enough already here over the last couple of weeks, namely Max Scherzer certainly comes to mind. We've seen situations where managers, and we'll get into the Dodgers, have gotten in the way. If you didn't hear it, Tyler Anderson saying it, maybe a mild exaggeration, but after 86 pitches saying he could have gone another five innings when he was taken out. Remember, years ago, it was only 73 pitches. Blake Snell was taken out in 2020. So how long you leave a guy in certainly is one of the questions you deal with, especially when you've got a Yankee bullpen you do not trust. Yesterday, Cole gave you the seven you needed. Ronnie Darling, who always does a terrific job, of course, during the season on SMY and on TBS in the postseason, mentioning yesterday in the broadcast that he's right. I mean, that's, that is the complete game pretty much right now in a postseason. You can go seven. Cole gave him seven, allows two runs, strikes out eight. Of course, gives up the home run to Naylor where he's rocking babies. And look, I'm all for, uh, you know, the celebrations. I'm a let the kids play guy. Um, I'm not a, you know, get up my lawn enough of this nonsense. I think that, you know, to me, you've got to have personality. It's probably a little extreme, and he may want to be careful and wear a lot of padding when he faces Cole next year during a regular season. But you get what you need out of Holmes and Peralta yesterday. Other than the Holmes walk, no hits allowed, two innings from the bullpen. And you know, really a story for the Yankees has been that you have not had to, when you've gotten big hits, rely on Aaron Judge. That was the big question we saw down the stretch of this season was how are they going to get offense outside of the Stanton home run and that walk-off, that unbelievable night for Judge. I think it was the night he hit his 60th, right? Outside of that, you really weren't getting a lot of big hits. You had the one Donaldson one where the Rays had cut the gap, I believe, at the time to four and a half games in the division. He walks off. But outside of that, pretty much every time it was a big hit, it seemed like it had to be Aaron Judge or it was going to be no one. Had to be a home run or it was going to be nothing. Well, nightmares are going to pursue and ensue and continue. That CTSD, the Consistent Traumatic Stress Disorder, I always joke that Met fans have. Well, Cal Quantrill and his family are going to have it with Harrison Bader because it's been Darth Bader to him. Another home run yesterday. Now six, seven ABs against him in his career with what four jab. I mean, it's ridiculous what he's done against him. But Bader now three home runs in the postseason. Think about this and what we've gotten already in the postseason from the Trent Grishams of the world and the Harrison Baders. That is why we always talk about heroes in October. They are not always the big names that come through with the big hits in the big spots. Cole did, had to. Now it sets this one up. We will get deep into that and dive in with a couple of our guests today. Again, Jeff Blum here in a few minutes. Mark Feinstein as well. Jim Duquette will join me. So for Guardians and Yankee fans, don't worry. Plenty is coming on that here in this live show. Want to go back to the layoff for a second and set us up for those who maybe have you know been under a rock or you know paying attention to their fantasy football team over the weekend to what happened with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And let's start there. The Dodgers, I said this for weeks on this show. They had a double negative that was going against them going into the postseason. First of all, layoffs kill. I remember talking to Jim Leland on two different occasions. He had teams that had layoffs. The second time with the Tigers, and he's one of the great managers of all time. 
He tried to simulate at-bats, took him down to spring training, flew him down there during the layoff. Didn't work either time. They went home, both times in the postseason. You can't simulate the nerves and the moment, the momentum and, and all of what you deal with at home or on the road that comes with October. You can't get that in a batting cage. You can't get that in live ABs against your own teammates in spring training at a complex with palm trees. Can't get that. Reference it in the podcast yesterday. I talked about it for weeks on this show. 2007 Rockies. They won 21 out of 22. So it was with that team down the stretch. I saw it took place. Nobody was going to beat them. They walked in and beat Philadelphia. Weren't supposed to. They walked in and beat Brandon Webber. The Diamondbacks swept them. Weren't even supposed to win. Started the series on the road. And guess what? Then they had a layoff. I think it was six, seven days. And good night. Lester, which was a great story, of course, battling back from cancer that year. And the Red Sox, outside of my guy, Matt Holiday, nobody does anything offensively. The bats go quiet. They had not seen live pitching in big spots in days, and they went home. Now, do I think that they're definitely going to beat the Red Sox if that doesn't happen? I have no idea. With Pedroia and speaking of the Yankees, hearing Ellsbury's name probably going to bring CTSD to you. I don't know. But layoffs kill baseball teams in October. When this format came out, I said this on this pod at the beginning of the year. I talked about this over the last few weeks, and I will tell you, including Mark Feinstein, I'm going to talk to every guest I brought up to, oh, you know, he must be over-exaggerating. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think it may be troublesome, but it's not that big a deal. It's a big deal, okay? When you get enough numbers, we are so deep into analytics, and we rock with all of that, right? Yet, are we not paying attention to the numbers yeah, I don't even know how many postseasons that I was doing on Turner were throwing up graphics of like teams with five, six day layoffs. That's what happened here. Now, I'm not trying to because I'm sure it will sound this way. Take credit away from the Padres or the Phillies. Give them all the credit in the world. First of all, they're getting big hits from their stars. Harper giving it to you. Schwarber had a couple of big hits. Hoskins had that huge home run, needed to step up and has. And they've had the stories like the stats of the world. And their bullpen's been brilliant. Their front two in the rotation are brilliant. Suarez also pretty good as well, right? The Padres, front end of the rotations, done what they needed to do. Bullpen down the back end, been brilliant. They've gotten the hater they needed to get, which, by the way, there was a lot of haterade being thrown at him. It seemed like forever before he finally got his first save in San Diego at home in that park during the regular season. Had an ERA over 10 for the first handful, and then all of a sudden they backed him off. Bo Mel is, is brilliant, and his staff did a terrific job. They figured it out with Hader, how to work him, and he's been back to being Josh Hader. They're nasty. And in their bats in the middle have done what they need to do, even though they're, right, they're Harrison Bader or, you know, they're Stott or whoever you want to use. They, they've gotten that out of Trent Grisham, right, they're Oscar Gonzalez. They've gotten that. Back into the, the lineup's been good, but they've gotten it in the middle too. Machado's done what he's needed. Soto with a couple of huge hits in the last game in which they just sent the Dodgers home. But the Dodgers hadn't played a big game since when? Tell me. What's the date? I'll wait. I know we're live, but I'll just sit here. You know why? Because you can't. Last big game the Dodgers played was a series against the Mets with the trumpets and all that, right? Where on Sunday Night Baseball, the Mets beat them. They win two out of three. I think that was, what was that, in August, maybe early September? That wasn't a big series for the Dodgers. They were just happy somebody was paying attention. They've been flying on autopilot forever. They were waxing that division. They finished 22 games ahead of the Padres. The end of the year. They didn't have to play any big games. There's no game seven mentality for them. Then you combine that with a layoff and not knowing where you're going to go in the bullpen. And again, finally, and this doesn't have to do with a layoff, and <clears throat> I love Dave Roberts. People get on Doc, but people don't understand this, right? 
you go back a few years ago to the World Series they played against the Houston Astros. All right. I'm sure and Blummer is going to join us in the future. He remembers it covering that series. Go back to that series against the Astros. And yet a situation where, you know, Kenta Maeda had struck out like five dudes in a row in one of the games leading up to game seven. He was like out, couldn't work, but they, they wouldn't throw Baez. They could, Bueller wanted to throw. They wouldn't throw him for an inning. They started Kike Hernandez. I love Kike Hernandez hitting third in the order instead of Bellinger, who didn't play against, look, there was, this was against the Red Sox, actually. David Price, if you remember, would pitch out of the bullpen two days before that in the series. Bellinger got a hit off him. Then he didn't get a start at the end of the series because they went up into their, you know, machines with the 19 different guys involved in that organization. Look, Andrew Freeman's a genius, certainly knows more than we do, but sometimes they get too much with that. And here's Tyler Anderson, who, look, I can't figure it out. How's a pitch-to-contact guy having the great season he's had? Give the guy all the credit in the world, but then you're taking him out after 86 pitches and you go talk to hitters. Let me tell you something, people I've talked to. And, and there's a, a number of different scenarios I could bring up to you. One that I think of, and this would be a good memory for Yankee fans, but not twins fans. If they're listening and I don't know why they would be, they probably forgot baseball is being played right now, watching the Vikings who went five and one, but you go back to the Joe Nathan experience. And you know, there were times where certain pitchers would go in. I remember talking to Chevin. He would explain like you certain pitchers go in and you feel good. Other times, certain pitchers go out, you feel good. Go ask Matt Williams. Here's Matt Williams with Jordan Zimmerman. Nobody could touch him on that giant team, if you remember that game. I mean, this guy was throwing no-hit bids and no-hitters down the stretch of the season, into the postseason. He was unhittable. He was brilliant. He's sitting there, and here comes Drew Storen with Posey and Sandoval, I think it was, due up in the order, and go home goodbye. The Dodgers were in a situation with this same staff when you go back a, a couple of years ago, I can't remember, 2019? It was 2019. That's where he's against the Nationals. Here's Clayton Kershaw. He's not, a, he's not a reliever. He's in there, and he gets Adam Eaton to get out of an inning. He's got inherited runners on. This is what he does. And you got Soto and Rendon do up, and you bring Kershaw back in. Why would you do that? Doesn't make any sense. But, you know, we had planned this, and the numbers said this, and then we thought that you can't cookie cutter. This is not an all-star game. you got to somehow, sometimes, live on field. If you as a manager don't live on feel, as an organization, giving Doc instructions and calling down to the dugout, don't live on feel, you feel the golf course, you feel the pain, and you feel home. And that's where the Dodgers are. Facts. But layoff, a major thing. The Braves, nobody could get that lineup out. You watch it down the stretch of the season. I mean, who are we kidding, right? And you go back to, you know, six of the last seven games they played in Atlanta at home at Truist Park against the Mets that they won. You go to the situation that you've got with Jacob DeGrom, who they hit and got three homers off of, Max Scherzer, who they hit, Bassett, who they who they blew out of there in three innings. Nobody could get that lineup out. Nobody could get that lineup out. Then go look at the numbers. They couldn't get hits. And why? Because layoffs kill baseball teams in October. Facts. Get a chance now to uh, welcome in. I'm pumped to have them. Uh, member of the Believe Network, host of uh, Believe in Astros, and of course, a uh, longtime Astro and a member of the White Sox and other teams, and does a great job on coverage for ATT Sportsnet with uh, the Strohs. Jeff Blum. Blubber, what's going on, man? How you doing, buddy? Good. I, I, I got to start here. Let me ask you about this. I was talking about layoffs, right? I'm not trying to take any credit away from the teams like the Padres and the Phillies. I'm not. But how much changes if, if Jordan doesn't hit that homer 
and that momentum continues the way it looked like it did to open that first game. Could we be telling the same story possibly about that layoff with Houston? Having been in, in that ballpark and understanding, you know, I think there's a little, little trepidation when you are that team that's had that. Once you start, start to read some of the stories, you hear guys like us talking and and you start to go, man, I wonder if that layoff really is the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, you know, teams like that, there's something to be said for that mentality. And you and I both know from watching sports across the spectrum for so, so long that the, the scariest guys came out firing and uh, there were a couple of upsets out there. As a hitter, and and take me through this because I was bringing up. So I was thinking Blumber of examples that I covered. I remember Leland twice happened in with the Tigers. The second time he flew his team down to Lakeland and had them hitting at the spring training complex and facing, you know, live hitting like against their own. Can you explain to people how difficult it is to try and simulate a postseason at bat during a layoff of any kind, whether it's end of the year or in a postseason? Yeah, they're going to have the issue. It's like breaking camp. You know, it seems like every, every year pitchers start to sprint out of spring training. So they come out firing bullets as soon as they possibly can. And I, I think it's easier for them to ramp up because it's all the, you know, how, how it feels coming out of their hand, hand as opposed to a hitter. A hitter has to figure out when do I get my foot all. Oh my gosh! And as soon as the panic sets in, everything speeds up, and then you go out there and face in a similar situation in 2005 with the Chicago White Sox, where we went into our championship, whatever their name, and uh, we we uh, uh, we beat them in five games and run off. Ledge, it extends, you know, a travel day, and then another game, game six that they had to play. Beavers that did not throw in four straight games. We had guys on our bench who hadn't seen a pitch in about two weeks. We faced our bullpen regularly every single day until that World Series started. So I think that helped us out. It's difficult, and uh, Jeff Blum joining us. We're talking here on October Unfiltered about, you know, at least at the outset here, and I want to get in, obviously, to, to that Astros series, but just the layoffs because it, it is a story to be told, I think, you know, and something to watch. I Just one, one kind of follow-up on that. Moving forward, you can't get crazy about one year. People hated the wild card when it first came in and it changed the sport. Right. And then people hated the one game playoff. And then we saw the Johnny Cueto thing in Pittsburgh and everybody was like, Oh, Holy crap. Like this is awesome for baseball. Right. Is this going to be a problem? Is this something moving forward that you think the league needs to look at in terms of, Hey, yeah, these teams could set up lumber rotation, but we can't give five days off to, to teams that are supposed to be earning and a right for a buy. Is, is this going to be something you think that's going to need to be discussed? Season we had an opportunity with the Astros 
clinching that we can have some more, more interesting conversations about the playoff situation. And we, we, the first thought we had was after that first round of wild cards, there should be a re-C4 or 5 seed as opposed to the 6 seed that moves on. So why wouldn't you want to have the best record and play the worst? You know this. They do this in the NHL where they kind of reseed things and give the opportunity to do that. At the same time, we were kind of jokingly saying, you know, if if the Astros get beat in the be happy the Astros disappeared. But if this happens to a Yankees team, if this happens to Major League Baseball as far as who they want to have and what market they want to have in the postseason, people's minds is because a powerhouse team like a 111 team win like the Dodgers are games, but they got knocked off. Look, they're going to be they're going to be one offs, right? So we got to see what happens. I think going to play it out a couple of years. But when when you know, and the Mets, I put in a different category. You know, covering this daily and seeing this, they were they were on their way out the door before the door opened for the postseason. But the Braves, you couldn't get them out, right? And the hitters, the bats seemingly just yeah. died. That was the one that stood out to me, right, Blummer? Because here's the thing: the Dodgers, you're going and mixing matching a bullpen, which you can't go into a postseason that way. They hadn't played a big game. True. I said in forever like literally like i mean they would it, that that was the braves though they had the game seven mentality they had to win at the end they know what it takes they won last year when their bats were as cold as they were that was the one that stood out to me and i'm not taking anything away from philadelphia but ranger suarez is not sandy koufax like i you know i'm i i just like to me that was that was one that was a little bit alarming uh let, let me shift it to this series that 18 inning game you know, I went back to, in my head, thinking of the, the Chris Burke game and, and 18 innings, right? Going back on the answer side in 05, right, to get there. Um, what, is it, what is it like watching that game unfold? And how much are you, the pitchers are doing this or the hitters aren't doing this? Like, as you're watching that take place, where's the Jeff Blum pendulum as that game's going on? I, I, I'm throwing out there, obviously, with pretty good knowledge about the Astros, and you know, it's not a one through five. Or you know, Cal Raleigh down there doing a great job. I, every time that dude came to the plate, I was like, "Here we go." This and in that wild card series, and I said, "This, this is going to be the guy." But then you have Luis Garcia going out there and throwing team twenty. So the whole thing was miraculous, but I really give a lot of uh, credit to the pitching staffs that, that into that, that uh, extra inning situation and it favored the Astros just because their bullpen was so good. We saw what he was able to do for six innings out of that bullpen. So they were built to go about 40 or 50 innings. Years broadcasting the Astros, I was grateful I was not, not doing a postseason game because that was un. How do you have both teams with nine opportunities with runners in scoring position? Seattle only had seven opportunities for 
Penn Murphy had took one Jeremy Pena, but uh, uh, you know it's miraculous and it's amazing to me that back in 05 and kind of set up for, for a trajectory for another opportunity for the Astros to get to the we're talking to Jeff Blum here on October Unfiltered. I got a couple more for you. So I, I'm yeah, obviously, and you know, I'm biased because Justy's a friend. I've known him a long time. He's just he's the best. Um, he do people will people, regardless of what happens, Blummer, in this situation this year, right? And they've got a real good shot. I think they're the deepest team. I think if the best team were to win, even if the Dodgers and Braves were still in it, the Astros would win. But regardless of, of how this ends, do you think people will ever nationally, because of what happened with all the garbage cans and all this stuff nationally, so people are not, like, empathetic to the Astros, let's be honest. Because of that, will people ever nationally give enough credit to how difficult the spot that was that Dusty walked into and the job he's done with it? Great question. And I actually appreciate this question because, you know, the players – and there, you know, there's five guys I think I'll be with them. And like you said, nobody's empathetic towards the Houston Astros. But the fact that they, they put him in front of the situation was, I don't know if he knew it at the time, but it was borderline genius. Just in, not just for what he did on the field, because I grew up watching him in LA playing with the Dodgers and going to play against him several times as a manager through the uh, National League Central. And you always develop this appreciation to appreciate why he became manager and how knowledgeable he is about the game and how he controls players and how it was a unique situation. Even to Dusty Baker, through everything he's been through, he was put in front. Of, and he, he was able to take that head on, on, deflect a lot of energy away from the players, and kind of aloof from that. And I think he's re really taken that father figure in that clubhouse, that kind of – and you really can't discount what he's done. I mean, if he does take this team to a world plus wins as a manager, a World Series, hopefully a title for, for him. But what he's done in the field and in front of the cameras is it will never be, be uh, it'll, it'll never be valuable. They found a guy that was impossible for the media to give any crap. And that's right. That's that's what they he wasn't going to take, take any either. No, but but because, you know, I, I put it this way, like when Dusty got hired, because he's so and it's it's real, right? Like it's, he's one of these guys who's like, that can't be real. And it's real. Um, He's one of these guys, Jeff, that like because he's so respected, if he vouched for and I'm going like mob movies now, but if he vouched for the team and said, these are good people and I don't you know, I don't know what happened. People were going to believe him because they, they trusted him. And it took mm -hmm. seemingly took all the pressure. Sometimes managers do that by being crazy. He did it by just being 
being sincere, right? I mean, just I mean, this is not yeah. you know, this is not like you know, an Ozzy Gian or, or Joe Madden in different ways, right? This is like not eccentric, he just did it by being sincere. I let me let me throw this last one at you, and hopefully, I can get you on again next week and, and bug you again during the LCS. But I, I want to ask you about these these matchups because the, you know the guardians obviously you've seen garrett cole plenty we saw what he did yesterday i don't know how the yankees with this pen are going to get through this even at home I, I really i don't think they could even be favorites in this game because their their bullpen is such a is disaster in terms of options comparatively mm -hmm. but because of the mentality and you know them in that room do the Astros want the Yankees just to kind of put them to bed again with the ownership they seemingly had of them? Is there something to that? I know players always say, and if I would have asked you, if I if as I was talking to you and you're you're sitting there and you're playing third base in game one of the LCS and we were talking right now, you would tell me I don't care who we play. And you'd be lying. So tell me the truth. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. No, no I, I think, you know, that's, you know, going back that they went through Boston, they went through New York, they, they went through the Los Angeles Dodgers to win that World Series championship. So I think the idea again is, well, if you know, if we're, we're going to try and you know reclaim New York, the New York Yankees are that one team that could knock the Astros off. So as a player, I would imagine they're sitting in that club. Let's go out there and beat the Yankees and they want to beat the Yankees uh, uh, you know there is you know it's out there and beat the best of the best they, they know that they match up well they know they want the opportunity on the road this is the first year we've been able to travel so getting into that environment with them and to go out and do this, but there's nothing better as a player to go into an environment where every, every you know the Bronx cheers, the booing, the 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 visceral reaction you create, but you're able. And we had a similar situation earlier in the season. Granted, it was regular season, but it was the first time, and they had the potential to sweep that series if it wasn't for two swings from Aaron Judge. So I think they're very good the way they pitch against them. They feel they have the answers to beat them. Well, look, uh, certainly the Astros are primed to, to go deeper than just the LCS. Could be fun. Uh, Blubber, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this. Good to see you. Uh, hopefully I can bug you again. We'll do it again next week, okay? Appreciate you, man. Thank you. There's uh, Jeff Blum joining us. He'll be uh, all over the coverage for the uh, ATT Sports Snap for the Astros. And, of course, you can catch him on Believe in Astros, where he hosts for us. And uh, I always believe in the, this next guest because of his high level of belief in his football team, among other things. You're not wearing – we're not rocking Commander's colors today, Mark Feinstein, are we not? No, they won this week. I was very disappointed. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate you, and especially because I, I know you're busy. Uh, first of all, give me give me a local because you know I'm down here in Atlanta, even though I'm from the area. Is weather an issue today? I saw I thought I saw a tweet come across. Is is it, it? I'm not trying to put you in the dew point and barometric pressure, but where are we on weather for New York? Yeah, County? the last thing I saw is there's some rain expected throughout the game, but it's in that like 30 to 40 percent range. So 
I don't know if it's going to be anything that stops the game or causes a delay, but it is, I guess, potentially an issue tonight. Okay. Well, I appreciate you giving us the weather report. I look forward to uh, that's, at finding least out that's, what it... At least that's on my iPhone. Yeah. Right it, uh, see, you had me at hello. You didn't even have to say anything. I just thought it, you just... Were... Well, this way, if I'm wrong, I can blame Apple and okay, not uh, have people telling me, uh, stick to sports mind, Sam, you know? Fair enough. It's all right. It, it says here in Atlanta for like a week straight, it says 50% rain. So they're going to flip a coin every morning. Um, let me start here. Garrett Cole gave up another home run. Everybody gets on the home runs. Didn't throw, you know, no hit innings. It's the postseason. It's not an easy thing to do. Fair to say that was a pretty dominant, exactly what you asked for, for what you get paid performance, giving you seven innings with what he did. The reason the Yankees are playing game five is because of Garrett Cole. A couple other guys have come up with some big moments, but Garrett Cole went out there and pitched two very good games, did what the Yankees needed him to do. Look, would everybody like for him to go out and throw a no-hitter? Of course. We've had two no-hitters in postseason history, so I don't think that's a realistic expectation what you're paying this guy for is to go out and set the tone give you a good start keep your team in the game and give your offense a chance to win that's what he's done twice and now they're in game five because of it uh his name's harrison bader but for the quantrill family it may be darth bader i've been saying because uh feel free to steal that like the apple weather um that's his ownership as we've seen you need these kind of things padres have gotten it from trent grisham how about the bader performance mark so far with three home runs in this series yeah, I haven't heard a lot of people complaining about Jordan Montgomery not being on the Yankees this week. Uh, Bader, you know, this was this was what they were hoping for from him, was a guy who would make some spectacular plays in center field, cover a lot of ground out there, uh, and come up with a big hit from time to time. And that's exactly what he's done. They've got him for another year. I think that trade is gonna is going to work out as being a good-looking one for the Yankees and the Cardinals, because Montgomery was great in St. Louis. Um, but, you know, the Yankees have been looking for a guy to sort of just take control of that center field spot. Bader is certainly doing that. A little trippy for me seeing Cal Quantrill pitching in the playoffs because I covered his father, Paul Quantrill. You're old. Uh, and I remember – I'm <laughs> so old. Uh, and I remember, you know, Quantrill having his kids in the clubhouse, and apparently one of them was Cal Quantrill who's now, uh, you know, pitching for the Guardians in the playoffs. I'm sure whatever advice you gave him when you saw him was exactly what led to Oh, yeah. Game. I worked on his curveball with him. <laughs> Uh, today, is it fair to say if you were to handicap it and we are presented by our friends at bet online, so I'm sure they have, uh, I, you know, the Yankees may be the favorite cause they're at home, but with the bullpen situation of the Indian, uh, the guardians now, I know that's into the jar uh, the guard, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, this is good for Cleveland fans. How little do people nationally talk about you? That's a little, um, is it fair to say that Tito, because his group is so ready dominant and rested with the really five, six innings they could give you with that three-headed monster, if you will, that the Guardians are the favorites here in game five. I don't know if I'd say they're the favorites. I'd say if we get to the fourth or fifth inning and you're looking at a one-run game or a tie game, then I would certainly install the Guardians as the favorite from that point forward. I could see the Yankees jumping out with three or four quick runs against Savali and, and sort of just setting the tone, taking control of the game, uh, and then sort of hoping for the best from Nestor Cortez and whoever else they're going to uh, send out there. This is one of those classic all-hands-on-deck kind of games. I expect that we will see Cortez for two, maybe three innings. Uh, I don't know what they're going to be able to get out of Wandy Peralta. He's pitched three days in a row. Uh, but I think other than Garrett Cole, I would imagine that everybody else out there, maybe an inning from Severino, uh, obviously they would, in an ideal world, Tyone will have, a good start, give them six innings, and they won't have to worry about the rest of it. Maybe you go Tyone to Nestor and, and hope to get through it with that. 
Uh, but I think the most important thing for the Yankees is going to be getting some runs early against Savali and not letting that Cleveland bullpen be the deciding factor. It's our Mark Feinstein here in October on Filthy. You, you look, I love Booney and managing in the postseason, not easy. Managing the Yankees, I don't care if it's May 8th, is not easy, right? But fair, the amount that was made of the, hey, isn't this an emergency? And why does there seem to be a contradiction with the whole thing that happened two days ago with Holmes? I mean, now kind of looking back at it, they win game four to put them in game five. If they lose the series, however, still people are, you know, Yankee fans are some of those people going to look back 48 hours prior. How did you read that whole thing that, that took place late in the game in game three? Yeah, I think the fact that Holmes didn't even know that he wasn't available is what made this sort of the big deal that it was. Because after the game, media questioning, well, why wasn't Holmes in there in the ninth? Uh, goes to Holmes, were you available? I was available, uh, but Boone said he wasn't. So I think there was just a miscommunication between Boone and Holmes that led to this sort of firestorm that we saw. Uh, you know, I don't know what Clay Holmes's physical condition is right now. We found out that he had a little capsule strain uh, that our buddy Brian Hoke said that was more information than they had, than they had given the media yet uh to this point so maybe they didn't want to throw them back to back and they had a, and they had a legitimate reason for it but when those reasons aren't conveyed ahead of time you're to, the person, to, to the, the person to the person to the person hi and, you know i think my guess is especially knowing extra inning games and how these things get crazy especially when you're looking at three or four games in a row without an off day is i think they wanted him not to be a bit not to be available but if you got into a Seattle Houston situation yeah. where you're going yeah. 18, okay. you're not going to you're not going to keep him out of that game. So that was emergency you think Mark for I them, not ninth inning. That's what they saw. Okay. We're trying to lock down this game. Uh my guess when I heard emergency was uh, we're going to pitch him before we pitch Kyle Gashioka. Uh, <laughs> but but that's about it. Okay. Okay. Uh fair enough. The Guardians and what they've done this year is is amazing and I'm not trying to backpat them. But they have so many young players. Is it is it possible even to somehow overstate? I feel like you can't say enough the job Tito's done with this team. And we saw this. Look, I mean, Frankie Lindor at the time was not as big a name. He still was a known name, but not to the level he'd eventually get after. When they were doing this with the two runs that they made, including without a rain delay, Rajai Davis, who knows? They had a lot of guys that were coming up that weren't big names yet, right? They had Kluber at the front instead of Bieber, but they had a lot of... How much do you marvel over the years, especially covering closely, as I know you did, all those Yankees, Red Sox, and seeing it across the way, just the job that Terry Francona, Mark, has been able to do here with this this Guardians franchise? Well, I think it's nice that people are finally realizing that Tito's a good major league manager because we have a manager for the past, you know, 18-plus years. Uh, no, Tito's great. He's great at what he does. And, and part of what he's great at is he's always had one or two veterans on his team that he's, even on young teams, that he's relied upon to sort of be the clubhouse police. You guys handle the internal stuff, but I'm here and I can help with that when necessary. But he's not a manager that gets in the guy's faces. He lets them all be who they are. I remember thinking back to like 2013, 2014, he had Nick Swisher and Jason Giambi, two of my old favorites from the Yankees, in that Cleveland clubhouse. And he kind of let those two guys set the tone in there, police the clubhouse. You, I'm not going to be in anybody's face. That's your job. Um, the baseball part of it, there's no, there's no question that Tito is, uh, as wise a baseball guy as we've seen ever. Uh, he's certainly seen everything in his career to this point, but he just has a way with players and especially a young team. They look at a guy like him. There's no wondering, like, 
Does he know what he's doing? Does he know what he's talking about? Like, why? This doesn't sound right to me. I'm not sure. No. Tito's won World Series. He's been in a lot of postseasons. He has the utmost confidence in his guys, and they have the utmost confidence in him. Yeah, just to give like a, a very small example. So, and I love Manny Acton. He's a terrific guy. He's a great third base coach in this in this league. But he was the manager before Tito went in there. And I remember being in spring training and hearing people talk about the first time that Tito was took over there, the one-on-one conversations and his understanding of not delegating certain things you could delegate to coaching staffs, but not delegating to Sandy Alomar Jr. or other guys like seemingly had been done before, and directly opening up the office and saying, "Hey, here's even if it was a problem." This is what's going on. It's communication level. It's why he was able to use Cody Allen and Andrew Miller, right? The way before we got into this now high leverage situation, everybody understands he was doing that. Miller came over, never got a save opportunity until the one he got to beat Toronto and put him in in the World Series. I want to move on and ask you about the layoff um, and go overall. I talked to you about this the last time we talked. I asked if you thought this would be a problem with the Dodgers specifically is where I was looking because they hadn't played a big game in forever. I am not trying to take away from the Phillies and the Padres, even though it's going to sound like it. I'm not saying it's all about the layoff. It's not. But I think it's fair to say it's a part. The, the Braves lineup that, no, look, DeGrom and Scherzenbach couldn't get them out. Those are pretty good pitchers. They look lifeless a little bit with Ranger Suarez. I know how great the other two guys are. And overall in the series, they didn't hit well. Even the Dansby Swansons, the guys who always seem to come up with that big hit, couldn't. How much are you putting into what has gone on with the layoff or people like me putting too much into what has gone on with the layoff. I'm going to go with the latter. I think there's not a single team out there that would say, you know what? We'd be better off playing in a wild card series. Than well, I'm not saying five. that. I'm just asking, I, do you I, think it's had an impact? I, look, it's hard to say when you lose, it had an impact. If you win, you know, it didn't impact. <laughs> right. the Astros, Isn't it funny right? how that works though? I mean, the Astros, nobody's saying, Oh, you know, Houston, I know they, they, they went 17 innings before they scored a run in that last game. But no one was looking at that and saying, you know, Jordan Alvarez's timing just looks a little bit off because of the layoff. I, I think it's a result-oriented thing. Uh, you know, if you have a chance to line up your starting pitchers uh, that the other team doesn't, that's a huge advantage. If you have a chance to get your bullpen rested that the other team doesn't, that's a huge advantage. Could the hitter's timing be off a little bit? Sure, that's possible. Uh, but hitter's timing can be off a little bit when they play every day also. This is the nature of baseball. Or face great pitching, right? Uh, or face great pitching. So I don't think you can blame the the Dodgers and the Braves' losses on the layoff. Um, you know, they had their pitching lined up perfectly as, as they wanted to have it. Um, their bullpens were rested. They just didn't hit. They ran into, uh, you know, hotter teams for that moment. And we have seen it sometimes. A team gets hot and that momentum carries them through. Um could that have been the case? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the Dodgers and Padres play that series 10 times. The Dodgers probably win seven of them. Uh, but for this four-game series, they didn't. Make your Hall of Fame hitter. Just make Dave Roberts into the next round. I'll say this. Two points. In game one of the Astros and Mariners series, that game looked like it was going to be another story of momentum of Seattle continuing until Jordan Alvarez hit that homer. Now, I'm not planning to play ifs and telling you Mariners win that series, but the momentum seemed to carry into the game ones, was my point, is even in that one, because Houston kind of, look, Alvarez, I'm not saying they don't win the series overall, Mark, and they're the best team in baseball. You and I both think they're going to win the World Series. But I'm just saying that momentum does mean something. Let me just follow with this. 
I remember, and I, I can't remember who the second one was against. One was when they beat the Yankees, where the Yankees never had a lead in the series, and A-Rod had that huge scrum. But Jim Leland, I remember twice with the Tigers went through this with these layoffs. And the second time, he took them down to Lakeland and had them like take ABs in like the spring training complex during that time period when they had a sweep in an LCS before a World Series. Do you at least think that maybe teams try and find a way next year to to find a way to, I don't want to say get cute, but do as much as they can to more simulate rather than just some kind of a, you know, workout day, which seemed to be the way that teams handled it during this stretch here before. They, I they think, played. I, I think a lot of that depends on the health of the team. If you've got guys who have been banged up, who need that rest, you're going to rest them. You're going to give them the chance to heal up, get as healthy as they can. No player this time of year is a hundred percent. Joe Torre used to say, you know, after the first week of the season, you can count how many players are at a hundred percent without any fingers. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, you're going to give those guys a chance to heal up and rest up and get their bodies right. I, I mean, look, teams are going to approach it differently. Maybe next year, if the Braves are in the same situation or the Dodgers are in the same situation, Dave Roberts, Brian Snicker think to themselves, this didn't work last year. We looked flat. We came out flat. Let's try something different, whether it's an inter-squad game at, at our ballpark, whatever it may be. Um, maybe they will. But I, I think in generally speaking, uh, you know, we, we've seen – the teams that are not in the wild card game when it was a one card wild one game wild card game have three four days off between their last game of the season and the beginning of the division series and it didn't seem to bother them this was those teams played on wednesday and they all started on tuesday you know it was five days off could that have been the huge factor i guess so i'm not ready to buy into it off this small of a sample size yet okay i uh, one follow on the dodgers dave roberts i, I go back to this team has had so many. Remember when Alex Anthopoulos was in there? They've had a lot of cooks in that kitchen. Andrew Freeman's a genius, but they've had a lot of, a lot of voices. Dave Roberts can make a lot of the decisions, but there are times where he, even more so than other organizations, we know this. And I go back to Kike Hernandez hitting third instead of Bellinger a couple of days after he got a hit off David Price in that Red Sox series out of the bullpen. And he's not playing. Um, we've had pitchers get taken out in weird times. We had the odd thing with Rich Hill taken out during a postseason game and then basically Doc laying him out, which is not his way. But I think protecting himself because he didn't want anybody to think it was his fault that Hill had come out. How do you see Tyler Anderson, 86 pitches, uh, who, by the way, afterwards, if you didn't see, say he could have gone five more innings. That may be a little exaggeration. But but who's that on? And is, is that is that something we should really key in on, that the Dodgers have missed the boat in the postseason at times here, Mark, during this Doc Roberts run because they've been too cutesy sometimes with that not third time through the order? Uh, I can't speak to whose decision it was for these things. I'm sure it is a collaborative decision. I know, obviously, being in New York and and – being a little closer to the Yankees situation than I am to, to the Dodgers. Like I've talked to Aaron Boone about that. And he said, look, people think that I'm told what to do from upstairs. That's not the case. We collaborate beforehand. We discuss our plan beforehand. Then we put our plan in action and whatever that plan is, it is. Uh, does the manager have the ability to say, I know we said we were only going to throw this guy 80 pitches, but he's dealing. I'm going to try to extend another inning. I'm sure they do. Uh, but generally speaking, in these situations, it's very collaborative. There's a there are a lot of conversations that go in before the game, and and decisions are made on a lot of these things before the game. Does Dave Roberts have the ability to say, you know what, this guy's pitching really well. I I'm going to stretch him one more inning. He probably does. But if that extra inning he gives up three runs, that's not going to reflect well on Dave 
with his bosses if they've had that conversation. So, uh, you know, it's a tough thing about managing in 2022. There's a lot more that goes into it than, uh, you know, when, when Sparky Anderson was just making the calls in his dugout. We see, and I got two more quickies for you, but we see stories, Mark, of guys who, as younger players, they, even though they've got all the talent, they're immature, things are not handled the right way, and then all of a sudden you watch them grow and mature, and I'm leading to talking about Manny Machado, who you had to see as an Oriole for years, and in those years covering the Yankees, and look, always a lot of talent, right? But he was not a guy who was a leader. He was not a guy who you would consider to be that way, certainly vocally. I'm watching the way he's carrying himself, the interviews, Seemingly something happened when when the pinworm scenario with Tatis Jr. or whatever that was, obviously, in quotes, occurred. Are you seeing that from afar? Like, are you watching this saying, hey, look, this is another we might be seeing a story of a World Series team where where one of the things we point to is that we watch Manny Machado go from a great talent to a total overall baseball player and talent like he is now? I think so. And I've gotten to know Manny a little bit over the years, uh, you know, speaking to him in spring trading or, or other places. And I've seen that. I think if you think back to that comment he made about, I'm not Johnny Hustle, about running the first base. And, uh, you know, he did a little bit of a mea culpa afterwards. And I, I did an interview with him afterwards where he tried to explain what he meant. And uh, ever since then, I think you've seen him slowly but surely mature into that leader. He understands his place on the Padres. He understands that they signed him to this $300 million contract, expecting him to be a leader, maybe not the leader, but a leader on that team. And when you have a young guy like Tatis get popped for PEDs, get suspended, uh, Soto shows up, and even though he's been around for a long time, he's still younger. Um, I think Manny understood that it was his place to be that leader on that team. And I think it's, uh, I think you've really seen him do that. Um, Bob Melvin probably had a really good influence on him there as well. A veteran guy who's been around a long time. Um, I think I think what we've seen from Machado has been really impressive all season, but certainly uh, recently. Last one for me, being around, it seemingly, and I don't know him well, I've met him a couple of times, but everybody who even covering it has been around Rob Thompson over the years is so thrilled for him and so happy for him. And I see you smiling already for those listening on Apple and Spotify. I promise he's smiling. What is it about him and, and, and just share with me the joy of even just kind of getting to know him over the years of seeing a guy. He reminds me of Brian Snitker in terms of different a little bit in their personalities, but just such a humble, sincere nature about him, Mark. Completely humble, completely sincere, as, as nice a guy in baseball as I've met, as hardworking a guy in baseball as I've met. When I first met uh, Tom's back in probably the early to mid 2000s, he was, you know, he'd been in the Yankees organization for a long time and Joe Torre brought him in to, run camp basically he was the guy who made the trains run on time you know set the schedule every day put him up was there and he was the guy who, who basically made spring training go made everybody know where they had to be he was a very meticulous organized kind of guy eventually got moved onto the big league staff and kept that role even when he was a big league coach he still ran spring training um he's just he's a meat and potatoes bring your lunch pail to work kind of guy uh there's no BS about him. There's no ego there at all. Uh, he'd be the first one in, the last one out when he was, you know, on a coaching staff. And just a really uh, class A citizen in terms of his personality and his work ethic. Um, and seeing him get this opportunity has been great. I got to see him at City Field over the season uh, when when the Phillies were in town to play the Mets. 
And I said, uh, you guys, are, you know, they had already been playing really well under him. I said, you guys are playing really well. You're going to get this full-time job. He goes, if they want me to do it, I'd love to do it. If they don't want me to do it, I'll go home and I'll be just as happy. So uh, he wasn't putting the pressure on himself, knowing, well, this is my shot. I got to make this happen. He just went out and did what he does. The team responded to him. They played well. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thrilled to see him get that interim tag removed. You could tell, Mark, the love for him is real from the players. Oh, you, you, you could tell. You can 100%. tell how sincere it is. Kind of like you with uh, the commanders. By the way, Isles are, are one and one, so at least we got that. Uh, I'll, Seven I appreciate one. Big, big night. Yeah, hey. Five goals from the defenseman. How hey. about that? I, no, I, 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 we should be, the way that every team I root for scores, we should have saved some for another time. I could have used the run <laughs> for the Mets. Appreciate well, the you, commanders buddy. won a game 12-7, so I don't hey, think it was a matter Hey, the Giants are five points. and one. Right now, I, Brian Dable is terrible. Okay, they're not. Okay, first of all, really. No, okay, good. let me. Is, my team's yeah. terrible. Go ahead. Your team's average at best here's they're the not thing. five they're, they're not a they're, five and one team they're average they may be average at best but coaching and culture right you and i both know this it can change a lot it makes you believe that you're better than you are and they're winning in the margins because of that i think you know they're making the right plays now when those things turn the other way and they become mistakes they're going to lose some of those games and not come back you're going to trust daniel jones in a big game look they don't have anyone to throw to can we at least let's be oh, fair 100 right 100%. can we can, Here's the thing, Mark. To me, to me, here's what he's earned. He's earned an offseason with, look, their GM's done a terrific job. I mean, they've piecemealed, right, whatever they can. But he deserves, go get a couple of wideouts and let's let's see what happens. A little bit more protection. The guy let, me has to run one, on, let me give you one ahead. word of warning. 1996, the Washington team was what is something Rex differently Grossman at the you're time. Tell me about? What is no, this? no, no. They were 7-1. and one through eight games and i was yeah. like this is like the first time in you know five years they've been really good and relevant uh -huh. i was like this oh guess what they missed the playoffs so just oh i'm not saying they're a playoff hey look they're better that they they have they have they have a relevant hard-working bunch that at least you can be proud to watch and not be embarrassed by i i can relate to is the that right now. You, you and i both know what that's like right Right, I, I have one so, of those teams I've been watching right now. It starts way up at the top of the yeah, food chain so, in the owner's so, box. So I let's get be, it. Let's be fair. I, I hope you're right about the weather. If you're wrong, I'm blaming you, not Apple. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, pal. All right, there he is. Mark Feinstein joining us. You can catch him, of course, all year on MLB.com, as well as the work that he does on MLB Network as we continue with you right here on October Unfiltered. There is a lot more still to come on this show, so it is good to have you on board with us. Jimmy Duquette going to join me in just a bit. We'll get a chance to chat with him, uh, my good uh, friend and longtime friend and the former general manager of uh, the New York Mets and the Baltimore Orioles, who were just mentioned, and a guy who knows uh, Manny Machado very well as well. Um, a couple of things that I want to get into what was just discussed by our two guests so far. First of all, you could jump in on the chat. If you'd like to do so, you can get it on YouTube at my channel or at uh, Believe's channel. If you're watching that way, if you get it on Twitter, all you're going to do is open it, click, jump in on the chat, or you could tweet and reply and I'll get you along the way. And of course, for those watching an Apple, listening on Apple and Spotify belated, uh, you could jump in tomorrow when we're live. We'll be here live every day at noon Eastern time. Let me start here with, with Blummer and the Astros. The Houston Astros are the deepest team in this sport. And when you have that much depth, you can be rewarded in October more than other teams because you have answers for questions you don't even know exist yet. 
You don't know about an 18 inning game that's going to happen. You don't know what starter you got to go ahead and, and, you know, use. So he's banged for the next day. You don't know where you're going to go. And then you have that extra guy. Answers that the Dodgers didn't have in their bullpen with their depth, clearly. And a lot of it has to do with injuries with LA. Certainly when you lose the Buellers and the Dustin Mays and the guys that you're trying to, the guys they lost along the line, all of a sudden then you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's a lot harder to do that. But the Astros can answer all those questions with depth. It's what makes them so difficult to beat. It's why, and I deserve no credit, because a lot of people had this, but I had them before the season, before the postseason, winning a World Series because of their depth. But they also have a manager in Dusty who, I just want to go back to this for a second. People don't, they don't understand how difficult of a situation, and I understand, look, we never have empathy for anybody that does anything that we want to do. We all wish we could play baseball. We all wish we could manage baseball teams. But when you sit there and you go into a situation where everyone hates your baseball team, I mean, you walked in, you had nothing to do with it. I mean, I was working with Dustin in the postseason, right, during one of those years before that. He, he had nothing to do with anything that happened. He wasn't even there. Then he's with the Nationals. And all of a sudden, here you are, and you take on this team where everyone hates your players. Everyone is going to sit there and Every stadium you go to, and certainly they got helped out, right, post-COVID and the pandemic and dealing with, you know, not having cardboard cutouts aren't going to yell and throw things at you and heckle with the garbage cans. So they, they, they got away with that a little bit, right, in addition to with the immunity, not getting away with everything. But that is a difficult situation to come into. And for Dusty, he's done such a terrific job of just giving balance. And that's where managers don't get enough credit, you know, Look, managers are like field goal kickers, right? You expect a field goal kicker to make kicks. You don't really, unless he's winning the game, you're sitting there and you're not jumping up and down. You're not wearing his jersey. Maybe there are people with Adam Vinatieri jerseys, but I don't know how many kickers, how many Graham Gano jerseys you got. None. All right? He had one game this year. I think he hit five field goals. You get his jersey? Probably not. You see a Gano jersey and you're sitting there and you're taking a piss over at uh, MetLife, you know that's his cousin or neighbor or friend. All right. That's just the way it is. Managers, they're not going to get any credit until they do something wrong. Right. Buck was a genius all year. Right. Until he went and did the thing with Musgrove. Now, that's not why they didn't hit. And he wasn't the one at the plate. But then that's what got put on him. Even when they failed at the end of the season. And rightfully so. People were putting it on the players. They were not putting it on a Buck Showalter. Nor should they have. But I sat there and was in a post game and was sitting there giving the first remarks for anybody who watched that game when Obaldo Jimenez was in the game. And I, I've told this on the air many times, but I told Jimmy Rollins, get his shoes on and we're going in to go on set because I knew the game was over. And Zach Britton is sitting there and he's third in Cy Young that year and brilliant. And he got wasted away. You know, so great managers, they're not getting any attention. They're not getting any care. They're not getting any love. They're not getting any backpats. They're not getting any hugs. Nobody giving them any rubdowns until you get to the end. And then when they screw up, that's where you get on them. But for Dusty Baker and you know Bob Melvin, think about the, the Bo Mel situation. Look, this should not be a surprise that Bob Melvin succeeds. Look at all the things I used to say for years, you know, Bo Melling. Bo Melling was basically trying to find a way with what you got, trying to make chicken salad out of the other kind of chicken. That's Bo Melling. You know, and look, Billy does a great job, but that ownership, they're not going to do jack for you. And yeah, everybody had to go. I remember sitting there in a postseason. Now we see Josh Donaldson with the Yankees, certainly removed from other places like Toronto, where he spent time, among other areas. But you go back to sitting there with the A's. The A's are in the year that the Lester and Cespedes deal happens. They're 30 games over 500 on the 8th of August. They're the best team in the sport. 
Next thing you know, they're going home. Leicester's blowing a 7-3 lead to the Royals, and the Royals without Bumgarner are on their way to one of, of what would have been two World Series wins. So Bob Melvin's had to deal with all kinds of stuff with losing players and, and not having explanations, not having excuses, not having an opportunity to give any excuses. So when they went from Jace Tingler and the, you know, hey, I'm going to get on my own team and Tatis Jr. for swinging 3-0, and the pin room is, pinworm is one thing, but swinging 3-0 and is another. And then all of a sudden you're getting into a situation where you bring a guy, it's like going from chaos to like serenity. To go into ultimate peace, you've got a balance. Bob Melvin's not going to look any different if it's 8-1 up or 8-1 down. Dusty Baker, 8-1 up or 8-1 down. These are the managers who succeed in a postseason. Craig Council, who I think, look, I understand what happened with the Brewers, and they couldn't hit a lick down the stretch and had issues. And a lot of that's between their margins in terms of dollars and what they can and cannot spend. But anybody who's watching the game worth anything can tell you what I will, that Craig Council is one of the best two or three managers in the sport whether he wins a World Series or not. And he may not do that because Milwaukee may not be able to put him in a position to do that. But that dude's one of the best couple managers in the game. But again, another guy. I got no idea if they're up 8-1 or down 8-1. These are the guys who succeed. Joe Torre was that way. You know? I, so when you sit there and you look at these postseasons, you have to think about managing and the importance that it has. I go back to it. Look, I love Aaron Boone, but what Mark finds, and I do, and it's not some, it's true. It is not easy, right? It's easy from where we sit. Easy for me sitting here, right, in my office and to tell you, hey, look, you know, I really don't understand whatever the hell it is, move that's going to be made in game five against the Guardians tonight. It's not easy if you're sitting there managing the game. Not easy if you're doing it for the Yankees in that cauldron in New York. But you cannot be in a situation if you're a manager where your pitcher doesn't know he's not available. Where he because what happens is even if Clay Holmes is sitting there, because think about it this way, right? It's like you know, Tyler Anderson is telling you after 86 pitches, I want to go another five innings. Why is he saying that? Because he feels cheated, he feels short change, he feels like Blake Snell felt with Kevin Cash. By the way, another another example. Don't know eight one one eight, right? Even keel the whole time. Great, a huge reason manager of the year that they're there in that spot makes the, the mistake, and that's all anybody remembers. Back to the field goals and the Gano jerseys and the Blair Walshes of the world. That's where you're at. But if you think about this illogically, you can't come up with a reason that a pitcher in your bullpen you absolutely need to throw because, look, I get it. It's not an emergency like nobody's going to die, but it's – there's no bigger baseball emergency than if I get three outs, we get a break. We're going to the next round. We get to keep playing. We're not backs against the wall. These are emergencies in baseball. There aren't real emergencies. These are the emergencies you're going to get. This is That's what an emergency is if you're a manager. I got to know, can I use you? Are you available? When that pitcher in Clay Holmes, who, look, he might be sitting there thinking, hey, look, I wish I was used. And I don't know whether or not you know he had been told that he wasn't available, but he disagreed with it. And that's a way that he kind of let it slip out. <clears throat> a lot of times with inexperienced players, and he is. Remember, this is supposed to be Chapman's role. He got thrust into it mid-year, dealt with the injury, came back. Yeah, he's done the best he can. It all started give the guy a hell of a lot of credit, but he never been through this before as a closer in the postseason. He might have well slipped out and said, I'm available because maybe in his own mind, he's thinking, hey, I'm available. What the hell aren't you freaking throwing me for? But it makes it look like he wasn't told. You can't have the pitcher not know if he's available because it makes the communication look atrocious, and that can't happen in a situation where you could go home in a postseason. It makes you look bad. The Yankees used this game in Game 5 to the Guardians 
Nobody going to get on Garrett Cole anymore. If they do, they're idiots. I'm sorry. Nobody get on Garrett Cole anymore. You know, people are going to find a way to get a, what they're going to get on. Stanton didn't hit enough. And why did we get Donaldson? And, and Brian Cashman didn't get enough guys. And we didn't have enough this. And Chapman, you know, wasn't prepared. Whatever it is. But in that mix, Aaron Boone going to be in the front end. And one of the reasons is people are going to be getting on him saying, hey, look, that was a game we should have had. Now, you don't know if Holmes gets those outs, but I can't hear that, you know, afterwards. That's something that happens with the one that reminded me of is covering. If you go back a couple of years ago, when Yuenna Cespedes came back for the Mets when he was on that team, then he had that huge injury, came back in a series, I think it was against the Yankees, actually, right? There was a national TV and hit a big home run. And he had a heel injury the Mets apparently didn't know about. And after the game, same scenario happened. You've got a manager who, at the time, I think it was was a Mickey Calloway, I think, who's at the at the front in the presser afterwards. And you've got Cespedes with the writers in the background. Cespedes is saying, I got a heel injury. I don't know when I'll be able to play again. And right at the same time, they're out at the presser, and the manager of the Mets is saying, we, we're so excited that he's back. That can happen with, you know, the, the crap that you deal with with the Mets disaster of that franchise, pre-Steve Cohen, and who knows, maybe still some. But that can't happen in a postseason with the Yankees. That's a bad spot. Can't happen for Aaron Boone. Can't happen for Holmes. Doesn't look good. We'll see what happens at game five. And again, one of the things you got to look towards in this game is even though they're in Yankee Stadium, home and road and those kind of things, they just don't matter as much in the postseason in baseball and big games as you think. Best pitching performance I ever saw in person that I was able to have, you know, the pleasure of covering was you know, Madison Bumgarner coming out of the bullpen when, you know, I remember Bruce Bochy telling me in an interview down on the field before that game, we're hoping he can give us two, somehow three. He went, what, four and two-thirds or five and a third, whatever the hell it was, and, you know, took Ned and the, and the Royals out. That was in Kansas City. Now, I'm not trying to compare playing at the at Kaufman at the K, no offense, to playing in New York, but this isn't the old Yankee Stadium either, and Tito's teams aren't scared, and they don't care. They're rocking babies around. I mean, they're... They, now, look. Sometimes you need to play with that house money. Sometimes you got to have that unabashed, overly you know, size, you know, your cajones with the confidence, and they got all of that going into Yankee Stadium. This is going to come down to two things. Number one, the, the mistakes. Again, I always talk about the postseason between the margins. You went in a situation yesterday where Jose Ramirez hits a, hits a pop fly, which ends in the Bermuda Triangle slash, I don't know about Aaron Hicks being in the game at all, the way he's played. Don't know how many outs there were. I mean, how many things have we seen this season? I like Aaron Hicks. It's just, it is not working. Time to see him in another, you know, another uniform, another city next season, right? But he, and I'm not a Yankee fan, and I'm saying that. But he out there in left field, you get that ball that drops on that blooper, a run scores, and you should have first and third. And an opportunity now, after cutting the lead, I think that was when they made it 3-1, before the nailer homer, to then cut the lead even closer. And try and put Cole on the ropes. Try and, uh, you know, run up the pitch count. Jose, look, Jose's one of the best players in the game. But he made a terrible decision. It was bad base running, and he's a really good player. And, you know, terrific player and a good base runner. He does everything well. But it was a terrible spot to have that happen to you. That can't happen to you then. And that those are the margins where tonight, when you're in a game five and everything's on the line, people, that stuff cannot happen to you. So we're going to watch here closely to see how the Yankees and the Guardians play in terms of the fundamental side of the game. Errors, defense. I mean, we saw a situation in what game three of the series where the Yankees throwing the ball all over the field. That's going to be a huge thing, the defense and how it's played. The other part is going to be 
Can the Yankees, to Mark Feinstein's point, and it was a great one, it is the point today, right? Normally, you're trying to avoid, you know, Class A in the back end, and he could probably go six outs. So he's saying, let me, we got to avoid eight, nine. And by the way, keep in mind, for anybody who doesn't know the stats, it's easy to say, you know, more than four outs in a, in a, in a postseason. But go look at the numbers. The last I checked, it was a couple of years ago. I think Mariano had done it for a four-out plus save in the postseason like 31 times, and Goose Gossage seven, and nobody else had more than five. Uh, it's not easy to do. So, like, the whole, like, he's got six outs, and we know how great he is, that it's going to be that easy. Even when Kenley Jansen, forget the Braves version, was the highest end of the Dodger version, there were how many times where you had both Don Mattingly and Doc going to him when they couldn't bridge from Kershaw. He's in the eighth. Then he pitches a good eighth, but now he's in the ninth and he's tired. Or he's in the eighth when he's not used to being and he gives up a run. Then the ninth is good. Not that easy to do. Easy to say. But now you got three pitchers that can give you pretty much, you figure, you know, at least, at least, at least four innings. Probably five. Can you get to that? And it, it was brilliantly said by Mark because he's right. Can you get to that fifth inning? Can you get to the middle of this game without having to run into that gauntlet? Now, it still doesn't mean that they're unbeatable. You may be down only a run. Certainly, you're down four or five. You're going to have a problem. But you may only be down a run. But can you sit there and make, make your plan, whatever it is, work on paper? It's still got to work, by the way, because the plan that starts with Jamison Tyone, and I love Nestor Cortez, is a young kid trying to ask for, hey, give me two, give me three. Spot he's not used to, but we know he'd probably succeed. But that's not easy either, by the way, people. But to go ahead and say, okay, we got to go our plan. You got to avoid Tito throwing that gauntlet at you. So you got to be sitting there and at least put yourself in a, in a spot where you're tied and you could try and make it advantageous to you because you're still, it's a lot of prayer. If you're a Yankee fan, if you're Aaron Boone, your Trevino behind him, a lot of prayer right now for that bullpen to try and figure out a way, mix and match to get through the Guardians in a game five. Going to be hard. Not going to be easy. The second thing is they have to make judges at bats count. And he has to, and, and that's combined with he then has to make them count as well. You're moving him around in the order. I hated him in the leadoff spot. I'm with the people who didn't like that either in a postseason. I don't want eight, nine behind him in front of him. You know, Torres got you off to a good start in game four. So you, you kind of roll with the same thing now. We'll see how that all works out. But Judge got to be there in spots that you can maximize, and he got to come through. Otherwise, you are going to be in some trouble. We continue here on Over Unfiltered. My buddy Jim Duquette is joining me here along the way for a few on a, a Monday. Uh, Duke, how are you, sir? Can you hear me okay? Okay. Uh, go ahead and let me see if I can uh, jump in whenever. I can't hear you for some reason. Um, you may have to work on, uh, by the way, this is an Emmy Award winning uh, unfiltered commentary. Uh, work on the settings to make sure that it's coming out of wherever you're talking into. Um, it should be on your end and uh, play with that. In the meantime, I'll let you uh, folks know that as always, we are presented by our good friends at Bet Online. So jump in betonline.ag. Remember your 100% rewards for joining. You just got to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to get to us here along the way as uh, we get a chance to talk about a lot of the things going on here in the postseason. You know, one of the things that I've been talking about with this layoff is you know the importance of momentum. The irony is, as much as the Astros were able to sneak out and not have that affect them, game one certainly looked like it did until Jordan Alvarez hit the homer. 
Ironically, now they're sitting around and waiting as the Guardians and the Yankees get together for game five. So could we be in a situation, weather permitting, where they pay, play tonight, the Astros get into a situation where the layoff maybe affects them early in that series, regardless of the fact that the Yankees will have worn out. Certainly the Yankees have any chance to win tonight. They'll be wearing out that bullpen. I don't want to hear about emergencies. Everybody uh, better be available if you're going to have any uh, opportunity to win this game tonight in game five. Again, Savali will be the starter uh, to get to us uh, on the uh, side of the Guardians. And we've got a chance uh, to get on the other side, Jameson Tyon. You figure Nesta Cortez, Clay Holmes will be available, and whoever else. As we continue with you, October Unfiltered, if you're joining us on Twitter or on YouTube, you can see how lovely and beautiful Jim Duquette is. So at least that is, that is, that is of, of course, the most important thing. Duke, I'm going to put you down. And what I would say is, uh, if you can still hear me, um, what I would say is maybe just back out and try and come back in um, and do it that way. Because <clears throat> it seems to, I, I didn't mute you. Whoever did it, I'm I'm gonna you know I I'm gonna blame uh, you know just because I, I always uh, have to get on everybody. I'll, I'll say it has some Met fan thing to deal with it. In the meantime, I want to let you know about tomorrow and set you up for that. Buck Martinez will join me tomorrow. I'm excited about Sweeney Murdy will be here. Whether or not the Yankees win or lose, so we'll have reaction on that from, of course, from SNY, WFAN. Uh, we've got a lot of other guests planned here throughout the week as well, so stick with us. Remember, you can be part of the Unfiltered Revolution in a number of ways. Get me at Casey Stern on Twitter. Jump into the bio, get into the YouTube channel, and get to us that way as we welcome in Jim Duquette. Do I have you now, sir? You have me now. You have there we go. There Thank you, go. you, sir. I appreciate you, buddy. So you are you are officially unmuted. I did I did not do it. I just want to let you know I didn't do it. And thank you. <laughs> I could not unmute. I would not, not unmute. So that's all, that's all right. We got you. That's all right. I, thank you for thank you. For, that's all right. Thank you for doing this. Uh, let me let me start here with this. Yankees Guardians game five, even though it's in New York, considering how easily Tito can set this up comparatively to, to Booney, who is deep in prayer. Are the Guardians the favorites actually in this game to you here in game five? Oh, I think that, um, you know, being in, and I, I really feel, feel like our better team, but to your, the way, way their bullpen is lined up, not good. Uh, go away. Give uh, uh, the Guardian team, um, and, and they've already been they won a, a. They already stole a game. I think are trending more, more for the, the Guardian. Um, I always also this series with the rain out four straight. I think the advantage was going to go. To, I think there's a lot of things that are pointing to it. One kind of caveat. I Probably he has not pitched well. Uh, it's, this is first postseason since the end of the season. I, you know, if the, if, if the Yankees in the first inning has not been good to Sabali, and in that fourth inning for for, for Sabali, uh, he's off the board early on. Then, but I would say to your point. The Guardians are rarely, but I think they're a slight favorite today. When you look at the situation a couple of nights ago with, with Holmes, and, and we love Booney, right? And know him well. He waxed us in a fantasy league like four times. So, you know, we, 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 know, we know the success he has running a team. Um, but I, I got I to gotta ask you about this. 
you know, there are certain optics are, are more important now with social media than they were, right? Even go back years ago with question, many questionable decisions, you had to ask managers what the heck they were doing while you were pulling all the hair you had at the time and no longer do up in the front office, right? How do you explain or try to Booney's defense a pitcher saying he's available and the manager saying he's not available? And how much if they lose tonight, Duke, just to follow, how much if they lose tonight, do you think that will still be looked back to because they had the Guardians right in the crosshairs there in the ninth inning in game three? First, um, you're right. They opportunity in game three. I will say the opportunity in game two also because, the, the you know, they, they had three or four lead in game two at Yankee Stadium and Stanton. Counting couldn't produce. I get opportunities to score in that, and then who struck out? You know, a thousand first two games. But point, it was a perfect opportunity. The days he didn't do it. Now, problem shoulder issue, a capsule, and from what what the day and was was sore on Saturday. And so, if you, you didn't tell him, him and the lack of communication, you didn't tell way. And I think the organization's mind. It's our our, our these days manager, sometimes even the front office shouldn't go more than much and why. But it wasn't communicated. If I could sit there and look look at it from that perspective, You're trying to protect homes, but yet. Season series too, and I'll defend Booney in this sense. Right, right for Holmes, maybe wasn't what was good for the, the team. You know, I think Holmes uh, obviously. Uh, I don't know if he recanted the right. You know, we're on the same page. I understand where the Boone said. I'd only use him in an emergency if he was the last op. That if you can't. Use a guy back to being on your postseason roster. You and I uh, covered together in Sir firsthand. <clears throat> I remember in series that we were together, layoffs kill. Um, we've seen uh, the second time you and I saw it together twice with Jim Leland and the Tigers. The second time was when they never yeah. Yankees never had a lead uh, in that one series. And I think it was that a rod scrum where he got benched by George Girardi and they swept and they look brilliant and unstoppable. He gets a layoff. He takes him to Lateland to try this time to simulate hitting. You can't do it. They go home anyway. Um, the Rockies in 07 until they ran into the layoff when they swept the Diamondbacks and then they couldn't beat the Red Sox at all. It, how much is this a thing? Because I before this before this began, I thought that at least one of the big teams were going to get knocked off because of it. I expected the Dodgers to be vulnerable, especially because they hadn't played a big game Duke in forever. Yeah. How much is this an issue? I mean, am I is it is it is it is it more the Phillies and Padres are great? And it's not the layoff at all, or is it give them all their credit, but the layoff definitely affected the bats in those two series with LA and with Atlanta. The layoff affected those two teams came on on my show right right at the end of the the, the, the uh, and, and he said he went out, but now after he had gone through that that tough uh, that's it he embraced. Race to look at it now and listen. If the Yankees 
Yankees lose tonight, teams that had buys, right? So it kind of, we've seen it, it kind of speaks to the fact that maybe the layoff isn't the best. I would say, you know, you've got to play even if the percentage is the other way. So point on those teams that we saw in the postseason and baseball are off. Are not. So, yeah, I, I do want to I do want to give credit to the Padres. No, Slade uh, two or better along the way, um, but I do think that the layoff certainly, the, and I would say the same thing. Uh, the way Philly was playing, uh, it wasn't by no means were they on all cylinders. They're late. First two games, bid gave them that that echo. they could, could that that they were actually. I, I'm with you. I think that the, the on this, and we're first. first you and I have hurt those teams. Yeah, and look, I'd say this, and I added this, and I was talking to Jeff Blum about this, who drove me earlier, who's been with the Astros, that you go back to game one of that series, and until Jordan Alvarez hits that home run, it looked like another series like this. Mariners came in with all the momentum. Bats were dead early for Houston. Mariners have a lead. He doesn't hit that homer. Who knows? It could be all four that could have been in trouble. I want to ask you one more before I let you run. The Dodgers. We love Dave Roberts. I love Doc. It's not just him. The organization gives him all these different, you know, you know, calls and and you know things before the game. You and I were there on the field asking Dave Roberts. I remember you were standing right next to me. Why Kike Hernandez is hitting third instead of Clay Bellinger? I'm sure you were already just thinking that, right? But Cody Bellinger. Um, I there's a lot of them where he is is not alone in this. At the same time, Tyler Anderson's a pitch-to-contact guy who you and I have no idea how this is. God bless him. He's a terrific guy, too. But I have no idea how it's happened. But he's brilliant. In 86 pitches, he looked brilliant, too. Was there a mistake made there, or was that the right move? I mean, is too much being made that, hey, look, the Dodgers and Dave Roberts, who they're putting it on once again, dot, dot, dot? Or in this case, are you on board with how many times do you think Tyler Anderson's going to go through a postseason order before he gets hurt? I think there's a couple of things. This, this, and as good as they, um, they were like their bullpen was, was a big, no greater fact that wasn't on their postseason roster were, were Blake Trinan, who, who uh, Daniel Hudson, who's out for so. Those are their, Roberts was, um, to do here, which was pitch an unproven for the most part, um, and we know even with good Ricky with him, right? Over the year, question him before, um, and asked, you know, how many times is up, and he said, in the in the he did not. This has been during the more disappointing of Doug. Your baseball with the when you compare your bust, highest payroll, the most part, and they got one world series, you know. So, so being in a put, I don't put all the by the way, I think it's organization that didn't give them the depth on reliever, right? I think it was that's it, 
it. That's the only guy that they got. Joey Gallo, who didn't even, uh, I think it's a combination of both. But I think question marks because if you go back and look when they gave up the, the five spot up and um, quickly, they didn't, there was times where we didn't have really passion. They were trying to get a guy over to first to buy him some time. They couldn't. A lot of, I think, um, guessing and that, that thing alone, never mind. Duke, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, safe travels. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll buggy again here down the road and uh, enjoy, I assume, and knowing you're, you're like A1 on Southwest wherever you're going. So, yes, just... American <laughs> League. American League. <laughs> You'll be I don't know you'll be A one on you'll be A one on Southwest. I know that A A one A one through don't. five. I, I look forward I look forward to chatting with you down there. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for doing this. All right. All right, there he is. Jim Duquette joining us as we appreciate him for being on board again tomorrow on October Unfiltered. Buck Martinez will be with me, Sweeney Murdy as well, among others. Uh want to uh, thank Duke for being with me. Obviously, uh, when you're dealing with and after doing your know, 20 years of, of TV and, and radio and getting into you know podcasting here and doing the you know one man banding with the technical side, you're at the mercy of, of Wi-Fi. So obviously, uh, you know, next time we get uh, Duke here and I know Blummer had a couple of issues as well. We'll get uh, the Wi-Fi worked out. A credit to whoever is doing Mark Feinstein's Wi-Fi. Uh, so we're trying to get that sorted out. Always appreciate any of the comments. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify and everywhere you get your podcast. Remember, this episode 104, so if you got in late, go back. I've had all kinds of crazy interviews and fun conversations and rants and all sorts of things, including a Life Pod series I've done, getting into the importance of mental health. There's eight parts of that. Feel free to jump on board at Casey Stern and connect with me about any of the episodes or on my YouTube channel or Believes as well, where we will be at noon Eastern coming up tomorrow, which is Tuesday afternoon, the 18th. You could join us for that. If weather permitting, they get through game five. We will then know the ALCS and the NLCS. It'll be set at that point. Of course, NLCS is to open tomorrow night on FS1 on Tuesday evening. The Phillies will visit San Diego and the Padres. So we'll get a chance to chat about that. And on the AL side, if uh, rain gets in the way, we'll uh, have more of an in-depth preview for what game five would be tomorrow. If not, we'll set you up for what game one would be coming up on Wednesday as uh, the Astros await either the Yankees or the Guardians to come to town in Houston. You be a part of this. Stay with us. Remember, as always, here at Unfiltered or October Unfiltered, we're presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Get over to betonline.ag. Promo code is believe. B-L-E-A-V, 100% of your rewards with that promo code to jump on board. You're rewarded, and so am I for us being together. Let's do it again tomorrow. We'll see you next time on Unfiltered. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.